Listening to Sonny and Cher singing a song that nobody remembers or cares about at what was probably the lowest point in their careers. It's the fall of 1969, just after the total failure of a movie that starred Cher and was written, directed, and produced by Sonny. The film almost bankrupted them and caused them to miss valuable recording time. It had been a long time since their last hit song. Now they were playing nightclubs and doing guest shots like this one on The Mike Douglas Show. At this point, Sonny, always the architect of the duo's career, was telling Cher that in five years they would be back on top. But it happened sooner than that. Within two years, Sonny and Cher would become the co-hosts of one of the most popular TV shows of the 1970s. It was an experience that not only revitalized their careers, it also helped shape Cher into a showbiz and fashion icon, and it led to the breakup of their marriage in front of all America. If you think the woman who lived in the shoe had it bad, the story of Mrs. Pierre. I'm starting to think that maybe we should do a potluck thing. Potluck, potluck. The potluck is going really great. A potluck. Seriously. Seriously. This is the Incredible Inman's Pop Culture Potluck. Welcome to the Potluck. My name's David Inman. Sonny and Cher met in late 1962 in a Los Angeles coffee shop. Sonny Bono was in his late 20s and Sherilyn Sarkeesian was a teenager. Sonny was working for record producer Phil Spector and writing songs. He got Cher a job as a backup singer. In 1964, they released a couple of singles under the names Caesar and Cleo, a topical choice since the movie Cleopatra was in general release. By the end of the year, they were using their real names and released a minor hit, Baby Don't Go. The couple began living together platonically, at least that's what they said, and the hits, written by Sonny, kept coming. In 1965, five Sonny and Cher songs made it onto the Billboard Top 20, including the one that would resonate for the team for decades to come. Sonny then began planning the duo's next step, movies. They made a deal with Columbia Pictures to appear in a 1967 film called Good Times, directed by William Friedkin, who would go on to direct The French Connection and The Exorcist. Those films were huge successes, but Good Times wasn't. 
Columbia cooled on Sonny and Cher. The studio had bought another property for them, but ended up selling it to MGM. It was recast with Elvis Presley and Nancy Sinatra, and released as Speedway. But Sonny was determined that the team would make it on screen. He'd written a screenplay about a teenage drifter, played by Cher, and he decided to produce and direct the film as well. Chastity, as it was called, is a drama with themes of alienation, sexual abuse, and lesbianism. And Sonny and Cher sank a half million dollars into its production. They also conceived their daughter during filming, so it seemed natural to name her after the movie. The film was a financial disaster, and between that and owing back taxes, Sonny and Cher tried to return to the recording studio. Cher released a song called Superstar, but there was very little interest, until Karen Carpenter recorded the same song, and it became a hit. So Sonny and Cher hit the road, but instead of playing stadiums, they were playing nightclubs. And it was different. For one thing, they actually had to work up an act for the more intimate setting. They got their inspiration from an old-time showbiz team, band leader Louis Prima and his wife, singer Keely Smith. Old black magic has me in a spell. Old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. The same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. Same old tingle that I feel inside. And then that elevator starts its ride. Down and down I go. Round and around I go. Like a leaf caught in a tide. I should stay away, but what can I do? I hear you. Prima and Smith were Las Vegas regulars in the 1950s. Prima was loud and outgoing. Smith was quieter by comparison, but she could bring her husband down with a well-placed wisecrack. Cher already had a reputation as an unsmiling teeny-bopper, so it was a short step from that to becoming a deadpan comic. Let's go back to that Mike Douglas show for an example. And here's a warning. Cher does use a mildly offensive racial term. Europe, I know you're Italians, Sonny, but Cher, you're, you're part Cherokee, aren't you? I, I'm Armenian, Cherokee Indian, and French and English. She's a camel jockey, an Armenian camel jockey. <laughs> he you, said it. He said it. What's his name? The Wop. <laughs> On that same segment, however, Cher left no doubt about who the controlling presence was behind the scenes. How do you care for your hair? Tell them. Well, I wash it every other day. And um, I, I, I don't know if it makes really any difference, but I use um, head and shoulders, and then I use Brett Cream Rinse. But it's soft. <laughs> no, it's really a fantastic shampoo because it, it makes it very clean. A lot of shampoos... And then you use the, the Brett Rinse? The Cream Rinse, yeah, because see, it's long. How, look at it. You can almost sit on your hair, can't you? When I can, Sonny's going to get me a present. When you can sit on your hair? Yeah. It's gonna... Is it growing down? Or do oh, yeah, I just, I cut about, oh, I'm not supposed to say that. I cut about uh, an Why inch off it to say? Oh, because I'm not allowed to. I don't let her cut it. You don't? No, but I just cut about an inch off of it, down. so it grows. Sonny and Cher made the talk show rounds, chatting with hosts like Joey Bishop and Merv Griffin. One of the people watching The Griffin Show was the head programmer at CBS, a guy named Fred Silverman, whose reputation for creating hit shows was such 
that he was known as the man with the golden gut. Fred Silverman saw Sonny and Cher play off each other, and he liked it. He actually thought a show could be built around it. Ladies and gentlemen, Sonny and Cher. So, on August 1st, 1971, the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour began a short run on CBS. It was a summer replacement show put on the schedule to see if the public liked it. They did. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Boy, 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 Cher, that was, that was terrific. And I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I think that's, I think that's the best I ever sang that song. I was singing. Did you notice? I was really singing. No, I was. I was into it. I, I, I you know, you know, you know, sometimes I, I think I should have gone into pictures. I really do. I, I could have, folks, I could have sang in any one of those musicals, really, because I... Yeah, I know one you would have been great for. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> no, really, that's all that movie needed was a little Italian munchkin, you know. <laughs> Most of the humor on the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour was pop culture-based, with operettas incorporating TV commercial jingles and parodies of popular TV shows like Cannon and All in the Family. The writing staff included a few veterans of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, including Steve Martin and Bob Einstein. The show gave Cher an unprecedented chance to demonstrate her comic chops, Almost every week, in a vamp segment, she would play a famous seducer from history. Here she is in a sketch with Sonny and Harvey Corman. <laughs> Lily Marlene. That's my name, and vamping's my game. <laughs> Before you are executed, do you have any final words? Yes, I never met a man. I didn't like. Tell me, why have you ruined so many of my men? I'm sorry. <laughs> why have you ruined so many of my men? They gave you everything. They didn't give me everything. There's one thing they didn't give me. I thought you'd never say that. <laughs> Ashton! Ashton? <laughs> First him and then Achstein. Before you are shot, I am strangely curious. What magical, mystical power do you have over men? I'm one heck of a kisser. Schnitzdut! Schnitzdut? In that case, before you go, kiss me! My pleasure. Violent! Oh, I never knew it could be like this. I can't wait for a second date. 
Cher also began reigniting her singing career, this time as largely a solo artist, introducing hits on the show like Half Breed and The Way of Love. And she was being costumed in drop-dead outfits by Bob Mackie, becoming a TV sex symbol as well as a singer and comedian. The Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour called to mind I Love Lucy in the way it gave a new lease on life to a married couple looking for steady TV work. The whole show had a family feel. Toddler daughter Chastity would join them at the end of every show to sing the closing theme, I Got You, Babe, and wave to the folks at home. The Sunny and Share Comedy Hour was easily renewed for a second season and then a third. In the spring of 1974, the show was in seventh place in the ratings, tied with Kojak. But the spring of 1974 was also when Cher filed for divorce, just a day or two before the filming of that season's final episode. TV Guide was there for the taping, reporting that co-producer Chris Beard warmed up the audience by telling them, you're going to see a lot of love on this stage. The next day, as the cast filmed a few final sketches, Sonny Bono kept clowning around, delaying production, making more than one person on the set think that he didn't want the show to end. Later that spring, ABC announced that Sunday Nights at 8 would soon be the home of the Sunny Comedy Review. Sonny gained custody of several Sonny and Cher show regulars, including Terry Garr, Freeman King, and Murray Langston, who would soon gain fame as the unknown comic. But the show lasted only 13 episodes. It was up against stiff competition. Then, just a month or two later, Cher re-entered the variety show game on CBS. She did it with trepidation, afraid of hosting a show without Sonny. For moral support, she called Lucille Ball, who said, You think you're the only person to ever be in this spot? You just get out there and work your tail off and do it. Cher as the show was known, was also in a Sunday night slot. On the premiere episode, Cher welcomed a powerful guest lineup, Elton John, Flip Wilson, and Bette Midler. There were more Bob Mackie costumes, and Cher introduced a new comic character, Laverne of the Laundromat. Cher, the show, was more popular than the Sunny Comedy Review, but Cher, the person, wasn't happy. She didn't like doing a solo monologue or deciding what musical numbers would be included in the show. So, after a few episodes, she got an idea. She picked up the phone and called Sonny, who was on the road doing one-nighters. I've got this crazy idea, she said. So, just about a year after the birth of Cher, in the spring of 1976, the Sonny and Cher show was on the air. On the stage was a giant Sonny and Cher sign, but where the ampersand used to be, there was an icon of a hand with its fingers crossed. There had been some conditions. Sonny agreed to drop the lawsuit he'd filed against Cher after the divorce, and Cher agreed to make a personal appearance tour with Sonny in the summer of 1976. Until, that is, she found out she was pregnant with husband Greg Allman's baby. But by all accounts, Sonny and Cher loved working together again. Sonny slipped back into his producer role with Cher's blessing, and Cher was having fun instead of feeling overwhelmed. 
and by becoming the first divorced couple to host a variety show, Sonny and Cher were showing something to America that it had never seen on TV before. Sonny told TV Guide, You know why Cher and I are so interesting? Our lives are laid wide open to the public. We have no secrets. When we go out there in front of our first audience tonight, we'll be telling them everything they already knew about Sonny and Cher but were afraid to say. The first episode of the Sonny and Cher show was at number seven for the week. The second show was in ninth place. The third show was in 38th place. The Sonny and Cher show ended the season in 23rd place, and it was renewed, but it ended its second and final season out of the top 30. By the summer of 1977, Sonny and Cher were off the air for good. They went their separate ways, Cher into movies and Sonny into politics. Now we skip ahead 10 years to November 14, 1987, and to another talk show. Uh, tomorrow on the uh, program, oh, this is going to be another good program tomorrow. Sonny Bono and his former wife, Cher, will be here tomorrow. And uh, also a foot doctor, shoe collector, Dr. Ted Borges. That'll be here. That was one of the conditions of the booking. We had to have Dr. Ted Borges on or they wouldn't show. So It's hard to figure out why Sonny and Cher agreed to appear together on Late Night with David Letterman. Cher had already called Letterman an asshole on network TV. But there they were. She was promoting Moonstruck, for which she would win an Oscar, and he was running for mayor of Palm Springs, California. They both looked as if they'd had a nip or two backstage, but there was a palpable affection between them. Now, now, what do you think about this? Is this, is this any kind of, uh, does it bring back any kind of emotions, any kind of tensions for you? I feel nothing. Because you guys, <laughs> because you guys are, you still maintain an, amicable relationship, right? We have, you know, I think Sonny and I have, we were talking about this on the telephone, we have a very strange relationship that no one will ever understand except us. And, and I don't think I even understand it a lot. I don't either. All right. Do you, do you, does it ever cross your mind maybe in, in, a, in a moment of... Do you know of... what a scoop this is? I don't know why. We should have gotten paid for this, Sonny, to come on late night and... and yeah, I know. You you're getting nothing out of this. Out of you, you could have turned this into big dough right, somewhere. big bucks. <laughs> we're, aware, but... we're looking at scale. Right. Yeah. Um... Then Letterman took a chance and suggested something that hadn't been planned. At least everyone pretended it hadn't been planned.
Sonny would go on to win the mayor's race, and in 1995, he went to Washington as a U.S. congressman. On January 5, 1998, he was on vacation at Lake Tahoe when he died in a skiing accident. His wife Mary asked Cher to give the eulogy at Sonny's funeral. Please excuse my papers, but I've been writing this stupid eulogy for the last 48 hours, and of course I know that this would make Sonny really happy. <laughs> so I have to read it. Some people were under the misconception that Sun was a short man, but he was heads and tails taller than anyone else. He could see above the tallest people. He had a vision of the future and just how he was going to build it. And his enthusiasm was so great that he just swept everybody along with him. Not that we know where he was going, but we just wanted to be there. Uh, he was also successful at, at anything he ever tried. And not the first time he tried, maybe, but he just, he kept going. If he was really, if he really wanted something, he kept going until he achieved it. Once he told me that when he was a teenager, he got his nose broken six times because he used to get into fights with guys that were much bigger than him. And he said that they would just be beating the crap out of him and he would just keep going back and going back and going back. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, because eventually I just wear them down. <laughs> and if you know him, we all got worn down. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of the first things that he ever told me was that he was a descendant of Napoleon. <laughs> that his father had shortened the name of Bonaparte to Bono when they came to this country. So, the last thing I want to say is, when I was young, there was this section in the Reader's Digest, and it was called the most unforgettable character I've ever met. And for me, that person is Sonny Bono. And no matter how long I live or who I meet in my life, <laughs> that person will always be son for me. Thank you. And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the bridge la di da di di la di da di da Charles thing was once the rage of History has turned a page of The many skirts My name's David Inman. Thanks for coming to the potluck. See you later. 
Little girls still break their hearts up. 